gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Raygun provides full-stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for iOS, Android, Xamarin, and more. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Enjoy incredibly detailed error and crash diagnostics for every web and mobile programming language, plus performance monitoring to discover the biggest performance bottlenecks impacting your users. Get full-stack error and performance monitoring in one place. Head on over to raygun.com, get up and running within minutes, and build better software. And make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. How are you doing today, John? You know what? I'm just trying to keep warm in all this polar vortex stuff. Um, you know, I'm heading down south pretty soon to the Bahamas to escape it. How about yourself? Oh, yeah, not too bad. It's We've had a lot of rain, actually, like so much rain. I, it turns out that California is wildly in, ill-equipped for, for rain. So I've lost power multiple times from, from rainstorms, which is fun. Um, but other than that, it's it's just been crazy. You know, running a food ordering platform during the, the Super Bowl is, uh, it turns out it's not really a relaxing time of the year, but, but things went well. Uh, we've got a, a couple people on the show here who, you know, Anyone who's been in the, the Xamarin community for, for some time it definitely knows both of these names, especially one of them's been on the show uh, at least once and I think twice, actually. Um, but but they're, they're up to, to some new stuff these days. So we want to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the past and what's going on now. Um, so I'm really excited to, to, welcome, to welcome back Jason Smith and welcome Mark Probst to the show to, to chat about this stuff. How's it going, guys? Going great. So, so good to be here. Well. Thank you. Cool. Um, so yeah, maybe we could just do uh, a quick sort of quick round of introduction for each of you, especially with a, a show with with multiple guests on. We can at least do a little bit of a, a voice check for for listeners. So uh, Jason, do you want to kick things off? Uh, as you know, I worked on Xamarin Forms for uh, six years now. Uh, I don't do that anymore, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, and Mark, you want to give a, a, a quick intro for for listeners who might not be familiar? Sure. I'm Mark. I was part of the Mono team. Uh, I actually joined in 2007, back when it was still part of Novell. And later joined Xamarin. I did a lot of work on... My main work is in, in the Mono runtime, so I did uh, just-in-time compiler work. I did a lot of the uh, early work in generic code sharing, for example. Uh, I did a PowerPC64 port. Uh, and then I worked for quite a few years on the garbage collector. Went with the Microsoft acquisition, um, worked on some other stuff there. And the past the past year before our new endeavor, I, I actually worked on QuickType, QuickType.io, which uh, which is a JSON JSON type inference uh, platform. So if you want to have if you have some JSON and you want to have C sharp code with maybe JSON.NET support, then go to quicktype.io. So I'd be curious to hear, you know, obviously there's been a little bit of a, of a change in, in direction for, for both of you guys recently. So uh, I'd be curious to hear a little bit about, you know, how that came about and, and what you're getting up to now. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of give the story of, of uh, you know, how I got involved with uh, what we're calling Glide and uh, the company name is TypeGuard right now. And uh, then I'll let Mark tell his own little story. Um, so I'll try to keep this short. Um, uh, it was about six years of working on Xamarin, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, towards the end of it, it was just, you know, getting a little bit time to look for something else. And 
around that time, David Siegel, a, a good friend of mine from a long, long time, came and approached me and said, hey, do you want to work on something new? And I did. Uh, it's just, it was time to work on something new. And, uh, you know, the timing that was awful, you know, he came up <laughs> and I was getting married. I, I, I'd gotten engaged just, you know, eight months prior and like there was this wedding going on and all this stuff was happening. And I was like, all right, look, I want to join you, but I'm not giving you any answers. I'm not quitting any jobs or anything until I'm back from the honeymoon. So, you know, fast forward three months and I'm on this honeymoon and I realize I really need to do something different with my life. So uh, David is a guy that I greatly respect and had always wanted to work with. And we'd, we'd been at the same companies multiple times, but we never managed to work on the same project together because we'd always gotten pulled in two different directions every single time, you know. Uh, the only time we actually got to work together is when we were doing an open source project called Gnome Do, like it, it's 10 years ago now. Uh, and it actually, it's more than 10 years ago now. Uh, and then, uh, you know, ever since then, every time we try, we just got pulled apart. And this time we're finally getting to do it. And uh, it's been a big thing for me is, is working with David. If you don't know who David is, by the way, um, David was the lead designer at Xamarin. Very, very talented guy. And now he's our CEO. He is our CEO. Yes. Well, it sounds like you've got a, a, a good team kind of put together there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we also have Antonio Garcia Pri, who was one of the head visual designers at Xamarin, and he's incredibly talented. We love his work. So I'm curious, have you been keeping up at all with, with uh, you know, the stuff that you used to work on? Is, is that a little bit bittersweet for you? <sighs> yeah, it's a little bit bittersweet. I do keep up with them. I do talk to them as much as I can. Uh, I love that team. I love that product. Uh, I worked with them for years and I, I built that team. Um, so uh, watching them move forward and continuing to do things is inspiring and sad and bittersweet and awesome all wrapped in one. Uh, it, it's really good to see that, you know, I can step away and, you know, they're just keep on chugging. Yeah. And, and Mark, from, from your side, is there anything uh, sort of noteworthy to add in terms of, you know, your, your decision to kind of to, to move on to, to something new or, or does that kind of sum things up? For me, one of the reasons was that I didn't that I didn't feel particularly well placed in Microsoft, not not because of anything to do with Microsoft, but just because working in such a big company just didn't motivate me much. Um, this just wasn't my thing. So that was one of the big reasons. And I had always wanted to do something on my own, but the opportunity never come, came up. And this was for me, the perfect timing and the perfect team came together and, uh, actually the perfect project, I think. So putting, you know, all the, the sad or happy or whatever emotions aside, um, let's, let's move on and actually talk about what you guys are working on. What, what's Glide? So um, there, are, there are kind of two, two ways to think about Glide. Uh, one of them is what we want Glide to be in the future and what Glide is right now. What Glide is right now is mobile apps from Google Spreadsheets. What we want Glide to be in the future is a way to make it easy and fun for anyone to build amazing apps without code. So that's a very big mission and we're starting very small. But 
I think even what we have now is pretty exciting. I would say let, let's start with what you have now, and uh, then I'd definitely love to hear a, a bit more about the vision. But th this, this idea of you know, creating, creating an app from a spreadsheet, um, like what does that actually end up looking like or feeling like? Like where, you know, is it, is it flexible? You know, like what can you actually do with this? Uh, uh, this is kind of the yeah, part Jason, where being a podcast kind of sucks because <laughs> this is really easy to pull up in demo. <laughs> um, so I'll kind of tag team with Mark here a little bit, but uh, the the basic premise is you put all your data in a spreadsheet and you can do pretty much everything you normally do with spreadsheets, but you have to be tabular in format. So, you know, top row is your headers and then all your data flows down below, right? You can do you all your equations and everything that you would normally do. And spreadsheets are something that people are very familiar with. And I think most people have no problem putting their data in like that. And then you go to the tool and you say, here's my spreadsheet. And it'll just pop up a little picker and you pick the spreadsheet. And from there, we will generate an app for you in seconds. It's just, you know, you're, you're going to hit go and it's going to give you an app. Uh, and for the most part, after that point, the production of the app is more of a pick and choose experience of, okay, I want this column to be displayed in this location less than it is a coding experience or a data entry experience, which makes it actually a ton of fun, right? Playing around with the product is actually really entertaining and fun. It also means you get an app out in five minutes. It's really, really quick to produce very nice looking apps that you can share with people that are nearby in no time flat. So do you do anything like, you know, inferring uh, things based on maybe like column titles, column header titles, or like data formats of the columns, or is it just kind of a free for all? Yeah, we do. In so, fact, Mark can talk a little more about that. Yeah, we do that. So um, things that we infer, for example, are email addresses, links, phone numbers, uh, links to images. We do try to infer things like what the what the summary elements uh, of a table are so such as the title for example if you uh, if you have an employee app an employee directory app your columns will probably be called name title you know then there might be a photo link in a photo column and we figure that name is probably the most important thing so we put that first but of course those heuristics are they will fail sometimes so you can always override that so uh, it's not like it's not like you're settled with that app. You can you can change pretty much everything about it uh, in as far as flight permits. And when you're creating an app from a spreadsheet here, is it kind of like a, a one-time import that creates the app within the Glide system, or is the spreadsheet remain there as a kind of backing store, and you know you, you end up updating the app via the spreadsheet? Yes, the the latter. So. You end up updating the app in the sense that you update uh, the app data. Uh, you can add you can add new rows, for example, in an employee directory. You would just you would either update somebody's title if they got promoted. Uh, you would add new rows to add new employees, and that all flows back into the app. And However, you, if you want to go ahead. Oh, I'm just curious if if you can use like you know uh, spreadsheets and stuff have multiple potentially worksheets and everything like that. Like, are those treated as certain kinds of items within the app? Yes. So by default, we make we make one tab in your app 
for every sheet that you have in your document. Uh, but you can you can turn any of them off. So it's very common in Glide apps that you have sheets that have the master data, and then you might have the sheets that actually contain the data that should be presented to to the app user, which comes, you know, via some indirection, you know, spreadsheet calculation from the master data. For example, you might be filtering or you might be sorting or you might add some additional columns or you might even combine data from multiple different sheets. But those master data sheets would not show up if you just disable them in the UI. But that is very simple. It's just one click. So if I'm kind of gathering some things correctly here, it seems like a lot of the the big the the big sort of like overarching story here is kind of lowering the barrier to entry to to creating apps. Like I'm curious, is there anything that like about this that kind of came from your experience? Like whether it's on the the back end stuff over on the the Bono Xamarin things, or you know the front end work that you were seeing on the the Xamarin form side of like pain points you were seeing, or the types of apps that people were trying to build uh, where you wanted to really just cut out a lot of the the sort of middle ground there? Absolutely. So uh, when we were doing Xamarin Forms, and ever since the beginning, Xamarin Forms was targeted originally at this, let's make these very easy to make, line of business apps. And the, the thing kind of snowballed and it grew and, and eventually became what it is today. But over that whole story, we constantly saw people trying to make apps and there were basically three basic paths that would happen. I'm using the word basic too much. <laughs> uh, path one was you would produce an app and it would be great and lovely and everybody loved you. Path one was also the rarest. Path two was you would produce an app. It'd be okay at best. You know, it was kind of a, eh, it was an app and, and nobody really loved it. Uh, this was the most common outcome. Uh, and, and quite frankly, it, that's just kind of the nature of engineering. And then path three was one that I really hated, which was you would get in there and you tried to build an app and you would fail. And you'd often fail for simple reasons. You had bad design, you didn't know how to do something simple, or you just didn't have a good vision of how to get your data into an app in a presentable format. Um, and watching people struggle with this for years and years and years, it just became very apparent that what people, the, that there was a group of people who needed a more bespoke guided experience. Uh, I'm just tired of watching people try to make apps and then get results that they're not happy with. I want them to be happy with their result. Yeah, I think like, one of the things that this sort of reminds me of is, uh, like one one sort of like soapbox or rant or whatever you want to call it that that I've sort of had over the years where like it's this the this big gap I see between what you what the the types of tools that say designers get for prototyping and building out like gorgeous experiences and animations and pretty UIs and all that sort of stuff like the gap between that and the tools that we have on the the developer side to create those experiences where you can somehow craft an amazing experience in like 20 minutes if you know what you're doing in sketch or envision or whatever it is um, and then you know you go you bring that to the engineering team and it's like oh well that might take six months to kind of put this stuff together right like this seems like a you know starting to try and bridge that that discrepancy between uh you know what it takes to to come up with a nice design here and actually get something running with it 
Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that actually comes from the fact that when you look at how you make an app today, mm-hmm. what you do is you take these very tiny little elements you and, and you compose them together, and then you try to build these beautiful experiences out of them that are really these higher level components. And if you're not a person who does that constantly, usually your higher level components are just kind of eh. Um, but what we wanted to do is take somebody like me and say, I've built a ton of these. I know how to make them beautiful and wonderful and have all these little flourishes and touches and animations that people want. And let's actually provide that to you out of the box so you don't have to go make that stuff yourself. And you get that beautiful experience right away. You don't have to build it out of you know your UI labels and whatever else you're going to use. So the, the current iteration of this you know, appears to be really focused on on like what you've been talking about in terms of like present getting your data in the app and presenting it in a beautiful way and in a, a pleasant, successful way in your app. Um, you know, how do you kind of foresee this vision going forward where you get to the point in your app where now I'm starting to want to like do a lot more things with input and and uh, providing the app some sort of data and, and dealing with that? Yeah, I think this would be a good one for Mark. Yeah, we've already started incorporating some of that. Um, For example, what we added recently was a comments feature. So, for example, you can can add a comments component to any page in your app if you want that. Uh, And that actually works in real time. And however... It's not backed by Google Sheets. It's backed by our own data store because that can actually support real-time stuff. And so this is one of the big issues for us is the limitation of Google Sheets. Uh, so Google Sheets is, is a great entry point, uh, both for us because we don't have to, we don't have to support uh, data entry yet. We can just we just let people make their Google Sheets, right? We don't have to we don't have to have the forms yet for all of that. Uh, but on the other hand, and on the other hand, a lot of people have existing Google Sheets and they're familiar with it. So so all of that is great. On the other hand, we need to eventually move to a place where we have our own data store that supports real time updates, uh, real time recomputation, much bigger scale than you would ever get in a Google Sheet, and we will obviously have input components. So you should be able to to let the user edit their own user profile and all of that should update instantly on everybody else's app uh, if they're looking at that profile. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and I'm, I'm kind of curious too, just as a, a little bit of a tangent to that, do you foresee or, or maybe you've already got sort of a scenario working that um, you know, if I've, I've got all of my, my data in this app and it's displaying beautifully and everything, but maybe I hit a wall where I, I kind of want to take like a hybrid approach and still be able to interject my own, uh, logic or something for my app, or is that sort of different from what the ultimate goal of this is? It, that will definitely be part of the story. So it, it's unrealistic to assume that, that glide apps can exist without interfacing with the external world, right? So a lot of that will take the form of we will have to build 
uh, integrations with lots of services such as LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Salesforce. We, we're not going to make any promises of what we're going to support in the future at this point, but I definitely see that, that we will have support for people providing their own backends because simply realistically, there are lots of backends out there that we won't write uh, general integrations for and we will have to have that functionality so that people can integrate it uh, into their uh, into their enterprise. Yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to tack on to this was one of the major lessons I took away from the Xamarin.Forms experience was if you open up the product very early on to extensibility, you immediately be able to you're immediately able to service a ton of additional needs. So you can all of a sudden say, well, if you can't do this, here's an extensibility point where you can write the support to do this. The problem with that is that you now have this very reduced pressure to actually implement those needs. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with this scenario where you don't have a carousel view for five years. <laughs> um, and it, 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 it that reduction of pressure and that that ability to use that extensibility point as a crutch, I think at times hurts the product. And it's a balancing act of when is the right time to introduce extensibility. And I think my biggest mistake with early Xamarin Forms was introducing that extensibility basically from day one. I think the product would have been a much better, more complete product earlier if instead we had released it with none of that for the first year. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, definitely an interesting sort of corollary to the, the Xamarin Forms experience. I'm curious to see how that kind of plays out as uh, as Glide evolves there for sure. Um, and one thing I'm kind of curious about too is, you know, just thinking from an engineering kind of perspective, like you're talking about like the the idea of having the, the spreadsheets that kind of live update apps and all that stuff, um, you know, it sounds really great for... For, for some applications, but I could easily imagine some sort of like, whether it's race conditions or things change so that suddenly the format doesn't match with the app that someone has loaded, expected, and things are kind of like mismatched there. Have you run into any any kind of quirky scenarios that you've had to work around around that? Or like, what does that end up, you know, materially looking like when you're building apps on Glide? Yes, that is a problem. We... There, there are things that you can do to your spreadsheet relatively easily where Glide doesn't know anymore what's going on. Uh, that's one of the limitations that, that we have to live with. We will obviously improve the situation, but right now, for example, even if you just rename a column, then Glide doesn't know anymore that it's the same column, even if it's in the same place. So we're not very smart yet about that. We have to get smarter, obviously. But... Uh, yeah, then at, at that point, your app will not update anymore. So Glide will go, this data format has changed. I don't know anymore how to update your app back from the spreadsheet. Uh, the app will still work, but the data will be out of date. So yes, that free form factor of the spreadsheets is a problem. That's another reason why, why we want to have our own backend uh, so that you know, we know exactly what's going on and renaming a column is just giving it a new name and not making it something else. Yeah, and yeah. it's worth noting also that that doesn't completely, you know, put you in a broken state. You can just hit the refresh button and then update the column name that changed and away you go. 
Right, so it's it's pretty easy to come back from it if you do make a mistake. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not in the abyss at that point. <laughs> not waiting for Apple to approve another update at that point, right? Well, ideally, you don't have to wait for Apple to approve any updates to get testing with Glide. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I'm curious too. You, know, you talked a little bit about you know being able to customize various things in in the layouts and visu visualizations. Um, I'd imagine you know to to kind of give people the tools to do something that looks really nice and take that burden away from from the developer in some sense you have to be fairly opinionated and i'm curious like how you how do you find a balance between uh the ability to customize but still making sure that the end product looks uh pleasing uh this is where the genius of antonio really comes in he is really good at producing designs that are just uh, fairly universal that are extensible for us that we can provide enough options and tweaks to make them really look good but provide that flexibility you're right though there is a balancing point here and and striking that balance is not going to be a case of oh we know the right answer today it's going to be a case of constantly listening to our users and and finding ways to service their request needs and desires for the product um, it's something that um, I really like about our team is that we can turn around a a feature that a customer needs in hours, not days, not weeks, not months. Um, it's also one of the really cool advantages of having a platform like Glide is is we can deploy those updates incredibly rapidly. Yeah, and I'd be curious to dig uh, sort of like piggybacking on that. Um, and again, you know, with the caveat that, that you mentioned earlier that these things are, are sometimes easier seen than kind of explained. But mm -hmm. but I'd be I'd still be curious to, to speak a little bit to the types of apps that you, you imagine like being really good targets for for Glide. Like like how like what sorts of apps work really well for this sort of system? Like what support is there for for things like navigation and nesting or animation and customizations and stuff? Like like what does that end up looking like? So right now things like custom animation and stuff isn't in there and this is a part of the fact that it's a younger product. Um, we do look at a couple uh, you know different kinds of apps and identify them as our our most likely targets early on. These are the the brochure style apps that have uh, limited input um, and they're they're interactive in certain ways. You know you can do login, you can you know browse around and you can look at content, you can leave comments, you can do chat, um, but you're not currently doing too much along the lines of like, oh, let's present different views to different users. Let's be adaptive about what is going on in here based on the state of the user's account or anything like that. Um, that's going to come later down the road. Uh, so some of the big ones we've produced right now, we have um, an app from somebody who is uh, you know, doing a companion app for their book. Uh, we have an app for a client who is uh, doing um, what was right wording here, Mark. The the political app here. It's an app for uh, for fundraising. Essentially, it's a call list. Ah, yes. So, um, you yeah. Can, you can manage a list of people that you need to call uh, to raise money. Things that need to happen is, for example, when you when you write an email to the person, you, you want to have you know the email pre-configured. Uh, you if you call them or if you send an email, you want that to be appended to an event log. So we have functionality where you can say if this 
if this action happens, then please add a row to the sheet and fill in these values, like for example, the current timestamp. Um, that's still not, it's behind a feature flag, but uh, mainly because, because our UI for that is not really very nice yet. But so clearly these, these more advanced features are coming. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just looking here at our, at our samples uh, store, by the way, uh, you can take a look at that at glideapps.com. So one of our sample apps is an, an interviews uh, management app for uh, you know clients. Uh, sorry, for for hiring managers to see a schedule of the interviews that they have, to look at the resumes of the people. Uh, you know, it's surfacing all of that stuff. There's an employee directory. There's a city guide that was actually the first proper Glide app that we made, and we even deployed it on the iOS app store. Uh, you can still check it out. It's called Geek Guide SF. It's kind of like a nerdy, geeky uh, San Francisco city guide. There's an objectives management guide. So kind of like, you know, objectives and key results management thing. There's uh, small business apps. There's an app for startups to update their investors with. So for example, that's one of our internal apps. We we send a link to a Glide app to our investors to tell them what's new. That's cool. And it sounds like, I know you, you kind of spoke earlier to, um, you know, eventually wanting your own sort of backend system to, to really manage user input and, and have a little more flexibility and stuff there. But it does sound like there's, there is an ability as it stands now to, to save user input back down into, into the, the same spreadsheet. Would that just be like saving into a separate new sheet in that spreadsheet or like, is that how that works? So we have, we have a few ways right now. Well, actually we have two ways right now to save data back. And, and this will obviously expand, right? So we'll have much more stuff, but right now there is on the one hand, we have a notes component. So you can have, you can have a notes column in your in your Google Sheet, which is essentially a free a free text free form text field that you can surface as a as a notes component in your Glide app, where your user your users can enter stuff and it gets synced back to that cell in the Google Sheet. And the other one is this action that we call add row to sheet, which where you can pick which sheet do you want to add a row to and what are the values that should go into the columns. That's cool. Yeah, this kind of feels, well, I realize as I'm starting to say this, that it might come across like a, a weird insult and that's definitely not what I mean, but it, it feels like it reminds me of like access, like MS access applications from back in the day, that sort of thing, um, which actually is is super powerful for, for certain types of applications. So this feels like sort of a, a modernization on that sort of thing, which is pretty cool. Right. I, I mean, we did want to make it so that people who would have used something like MS Access back in the day, who are not programmers, but you know they could figure that out, right? Um, we want to make sure that they can build Glide apps and that they can be productive and happy, and and you know even people who are were not capable of doing that can build Glide apps. So judging from the the demos that I've looked at online, I mean, this is clearly you know, a, a web-based technology, or like that's that's how you're you're actually running or writing or creating these apps. Um, so how does that kind of affect the the publishing flow? Like, what are my options once I create one of these to get this out to the world? 
Yeah, so the fact that it's a web technology today has to do with uh, focusing on what's important to the product right now. So getting the, the builder out, getting apps to be shareable immediately. Uh, there's a lot you can do with web tech uh, that you can't do with um, native built apps, uh, particularly around deployment, right? If you're a non-technical user, deploying a native app is just a complete uh, mind-blowing experience, right? What is a iOS signing certificate? Like, good luck. <laughs> uh, if you think you understand iOS signing, you don't understand iOS signing. Just nobody does. Fact. Um, so we looked at this and said, okay, there definitely needs to be a web app variant of the apps we produce. Now, the real long-term goal is to make it so that you can produce web apps so you have this instant share capacity. Scan this QR code and the app appears on your phone. You can send a link and people can just get it immediately and you don't need to go through this app store approval process and all those things. But you still need that because there is a performance advantage to being in the app stores and using the native SDKs and we're not willing to give that up. So it's really not a question of if we are going to I uh, get that. I mean, if you grab the Geek Guide SF, you'll see that is a fully native app. That is not a web app. Um, and that's built on top of our platform. It's just it's using a backend we currently don't surface in the product uh, to produce a native version. Interesting. So is the, the default kind of publishing model there? I It sounds like you, you included some like progressive web app type features of, of add icon to home screen and, and that sort of thing. So is that kind of the, the default default mode with an eye towards, um, you know, enabling folks to, to push to say the iOS app store and the Google Play store, um, you know, fully native apps eventually, but that's not there quite yet? It's more a case of, um, yeah, exactly. Well, you're you're 100 right with the web app stuff. You know, we do have the full PWA experience. I had to home screen all works, and it comes up beautifully and looks like a native app and all that stuff. But it's it's a web app when you do it that way. Uh, and then there's a little you know tidbit on our website that says, hey, click here if you'd like to uh, publish to the app store with a native app, and that basically opens an email. And from that point, we'll work with you to figure out what you need to do to to get that done. And you know, right now, because we don't have like the full flow worked out on like walking people through that process. Um, and, and quite frankly, the, the back end is still not being, uh, is not at a level of maturity that we want it to be at where we're comfortable just letting people get those native apps. Um, we're, we're currently keeping that as like a, a bespoke handholding experience. Yeah, that's a tough thing to, to automate and get seamless, even when you really know what you're doing, much less making it a, a really generic experience, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've lived in that world for a while now. And yeah, we know that that is going to be some pain, but it's pain that we'd rather take on so other people don't have to. Right. So I'd be curious to to the extent you're you're kind of willing to talk about it, especially given the the background of, of both of you and the products and stuff that you've helped build over the years, like like. Are you, are you able to speak uh, a little bit to the, the sort of tech stack that you ended up going with to, to start building this platform? Uh, yeah, so uh, Mark, I'll speak a little bit about the front end stack and then you can talk a little bit about the back end stuff. Sure. Um, so front end wise, we are a um, React.js uh, setup. And so we use React and Redux internally. Um, to manage all of our state, and then we produce uh, beautiful web components 
using that and styled components and all the other good standard stuff there. Um, and then right now, uh, it's not important what the what the native stack uses. I will tell you that the one that you grab for like Geek Guide SF does use uh, React Native, and that has more to do with the fact that we could deploy the same backend to it. Um, but yeah, from the front end standpoint, it's it's just React and styled components and JavaScript and a lot of custom love from me. <laughs> yeah, and I and I guess that was part of what what I was wondering too, where you know, you know, I, I I'd be curious. I, I guess I was just curious, like how much sort of recycling you were able to get by you know sharing, in theory, sharing some of what you're using on the the PWA side with the the React Native and uh, you know native application side, or if you end up having to reimplement a lot of different things and it just happens to be React on both ends. Well, so there's a really interesting. Thing to talk about with the back end. So I'll, I'll let Mark kind of get into that. Sure. So we, all of our code uh, at this point, by the way, is TypeScript, which, uh, which we really like, or I at least really like. Um, we, we like it. Yeah, we like it. Uh, TypeScript is also, we, like I got started on that. Uh, previously, I, like, I did a short thing at Microsoft, well, back at Xamarin with it. And then we wrote uh, QuickType in TypeScript and and now Glide. And on the on the back end, we use uh, Firebase from Google, which in particular gives us uh, a real time database and an API that's really nice and easy to use. Uh, it's easy to configure. It's easy to get started. So we're pretty happy on that. On that part, we might have to we might have to move away to something home built uh, at some point once once we get more complex once our data model becomes a little bit too complex for Firebase to handle, especially in light of more complex data manipulation that needs to happen on the back end. So essentially, once we move away from Google Sheets. There is a lot of functionality that we will have to implement in Glide that is now done in Google Sheets. So all of the calculations that you can do right now in Google Sheets, Glide doesn't have to support. But um, if you want to have a sheetless, if you, if you want Glide app, then Glide obviously will have to do that. And it's gonna it's, it's gonna kind of look still like a spreadsheet somewhat probably, but it'll all be done by a backend that will take care of that. Whenever one user changes something, another user, another one of your thousands of tens of tens of thousands of users will get the update immediately. I see. I, I like the use of the word sheetless there. It feels like like in the age of, of serverless. I like the, uh, <laughs> the it's just it seems funny to be talking about sheetless applications as the the next big thing. At the same time, what we um, so here's a bit of a here's a bit of an origin uh, origin story. Uh, it's kind of fitting at this point. I met Simon Peyton Jones, uh, who's, who's one of the creators of Haskell, uh, about, about 20 years ago. And he, he posed this rhetorical question. He said, what is the most, the most widely used functional programming language on the planet? Which he answered shortly thereafter with Microsoft Excel. Hmm. Uh, but people don't think of it that way. 
but it is, and it's a very powerful programming model that people are actually very familiar with. And two of the things make it very accessible to, to non-developers. One of them being that uh, you, operate, you operate directly on the data versus when you're writing computer code, you, you kind of need to keep in your head what's happening to the data versus seeing it right away in front of your eyes, unless you put in, you know, printf commands on every second line. Um, and, uh, and the other one is that, that, that everything is right in front of you, like very little is hidden. And we, but on the other hand, one kind of weird drawback of the spreadsheet, which is also one of its strengths, is that the app that you build with the spreadsheet is the same as the development environment in which you build the app, right? A, a spreadsheet doesn't have a presentation layer. It's IDE and program at the same time. And so one of the ways that I like to think about Glide is as a pre presentation layer on top of a spreadsheet programming model. Yeah, so I, I think that um, you know that kind of goes back to to what Greg was saying about it. It feels kind of like an access center, a tool. Like it, it, you you struck a note with me there, kind of talking about how so many people know uh, spreadsheets and know uh, how to manipulate those to some great extent. So this certainly sounds uh, really interesting for for a lot of users to be able to access. Um, I, I'm really curious. I haven't checked out your page yet, but. Uh, how are you planning on on pricing this? Is is this something that's free right now? Um, do I have to pay like a monthly fee for this? What's the plan there? Right now, it's entirely free. Uh, you can just go sign up and use it. Uh, there is a pricing plan uh, on the site right now uh, for simple apps. Uh, that is a public app. In other words, no no password protection. Um, that's completely free. Uh, there is light glide branding on it. Uh, you can pay $20 a month and that gets you the ability to use like a custom domain with your app. Uh, you can add passwords and uh, we dramatically reduce the amount of branding on the app. And then there's a business tier with no branding, full email login support with, you know, uh, magic pins and everything you would expect and the ability to deploy to the app stores. And that's $100 a month per app. Uh, now, I will tell you right now, uh, that pricing is more or less um, what it's listed as. Uh, there are uh, things in there that are just not checked. Like we, we don't uh, check the, the password stuff right now, but <laughs> we, are, we might do it in the future or we will do it in the future. So right now we're just trying to get users to come in and try. And uh, you know, if you have access to those pro features in your free account, I guess so be it. But but you That's, reserve the right to charge money in the future. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, we're we're not going to make the mistake of you know not ever charging money. That seems yeah. like a pretty smart business move. It's totally free to try, play around with. Go to glideapps.com. Uh, you can pick one of the samples, or you can you can use one of your own spreadsheets. But it's probably nice to pick a sample because you see what the spreadsheet is supposed to look like. Um, share that app with your friends. It's super easy with a QR code or with a link. Um, and and please give us feedback. 
Yeah, this is really cool. And I, I could say even just from kind of following it on the sidelines over the last month or two, it seems like things are, are moving really, really quickly, which is pretty exciting. Like what's uh, what's up next in the, the pipeline for, for what you're going to be publishing for, uh, you know, the upcoming Glide features? Uh, well, uh, there's a couple things that uh, we're working on right now. Um, chat components coming and it, it's kind of already there behind a feature flag, but uh, we want it to be a publicly accessible component, and that's live real-time chat. Um, we're doing some large design updates and adding a lot more options for the existing components so that you can actually make them look the way you want them to look. Um, and uh, theming is another major thing that's landing very, very soon. It's it's actually been in the product for a while, but we haven't turned it on because we weren't happy with uh, all the details of the themes. But yeah, uh, themes look really really nice they theme the full app and and they're they're wonderful to use and we can produce them really really quickly out of just a couple colors and what does yeah. that theming end up looking like is it do you offer just kind of injection points of you know main color accent color that sort of thing or can you really go crazy like especially in the web world you know technically you can do anything with css um, and i might be drawing from from some pain in my own life of having, you know, currently running a white label platform where you can really work yourself into a corner. Um, so I'm curious, like how flexible that is in, in your system. So this was actually something I spent a fair amount of time working on making sure that we had a really good system for. So uh, I, I will openly admit, I, I stole some inspiration from the UWP team. Um, whatever you think of UWP, they had a good idea, which was why don't we make it so themes are defined by just a couple colors and then we'll derive a bunch of other colors from those couple colors that can be defined by the theme. Um, and so the entire app is themed in that fashion. There is a what we call an app theme and a runtime theme. The runtime theme is derived from the app theme. Uh, now, th there's an open question as to whether or not we will just provide a bunch of pre-built app themes or if we'll let you like pick each of those colors individually. I imagine eventually we'll get to a point where you can just make your own custom theme. Uh, but for now, we're going to be providing just a bunch of pre-built ones. So you have the normal theme and a dark theme and a pro theme and yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, uh, picking those, uh, I, I think it's five colors is what we have right now, is enough to theme every single color that gets used in the web app. And also the native app when people start getting those and do we get dark mode <laughs> uh define what you mean by dark mode exactly uh dark mode everything has dark mode now yes so that's just called the dark theme <laughs> even if you use google maps in your app even those turn dark nice nice that's attention to detail i like it it's gotta be i mean i i feel like that was one of the muscles i didn't get to flex with Xamarin forms too much was like I really like building like really beautiful bespoke UIs for a specific case. And because Xamarin.Forms is slightly too low level for me to spend a lot of time flexing that muscle, um, it's really fun to do it now in Glide for me. Right on. Well, guys, this is this is really cool. Even as someone who who builds apps, you know, like I I feel like especially as someone who builds apps, I can appreciate you know things that can make it that can take a lot of that work away. Especially if you want to just kind of crank out a little consumption app or or just prototype something or, you know, get some of these basic interactions without having to go through all the hoops and all the craziness that is all the iOS and Android SDKs and, and that sort of thing. So it's really cool to see what you guys are up to. Um, you know, before we wrap, is there anything that we, we missed along the way? I mean, we'll include, um, 
you know, links in the show notes to, to the sample app and to, to Glide's page and everything. But, but did we miss anything? I don't know. Mark, did we miss anything? Um, I think we're good. Excellent. All right. Well, um, guys, it was, it was fantastic to, to catch up with you again. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back on as, as Glide continues to, to evolve and, and do a lot of awesome stuff. But uh, thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, John. And thanks, as always, to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.